You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Alex Cartes explains the implications of what Jesus meant when he said that he is the way. Every time I go to Chile and people invite me, I've got lots of friends to preach in their churches. Everybody at the end, they say, thank you, pastor, for the sermon or whatever. I believe maybe I'm a pastor in my heart. I don't know. I think it's part of me. The title is too heavy, though. It's just better this way. Brother Alex. Now, I was panicking a bit when all of you were outside and you weren't coming back in because I thought, oh, you know, I'm not a 20-minute preacher. So I was getting a bit worried. So please be patient. Here we go. We've been talking about different things that are important in life. We talked about hell before and why God doesn't answer all of our prayers. So today, another thing that is very important, another theme is, is Jesus the only way? You know, we live in a society, and, and maybe this sermon is not directly for you because you probably know that he is the only way. But sometimes we don't really know the deepest part of it, the main reason for it. It's like, it's just, you know, it's something that we believe and that's it. So I want you to give you something solid. So when you talk to other people, they can understand why we believe Jesus is the only way. And um, this is very important for me. You know, I want to say to you that the majority of preachers, we are not that smart. There are some guys that are very, very clever with the word. But we all learn. The more you listen to sermons, you are always, I don't know, your head is, you know, grabbing things from here, from there, from over here. And when it comes to, to prepare a sermon, it, it makes it easier. But it's, it's all coming from other places. But also, in our devotion with God, in our de- devotional time with God, God talks to us the same way he talks to you. When you have time with God and you read the Bible, do you feel sometimes that God is saying something new to you in your heart? If not, I encourage you to do it. Spend time with your Bible and talking to God. It's very important. Okay, let's go into it. I was thinking about sunglasses. You know, there are different types of sunglasses. And they are tinted in a different way. Some people want to see the world in brown. Some blue. For some, it's a bit different. Some even prefer to see it like this, like, you know, normal glasses. Worldviews are the way people see the world. And all of us, everybody in our culture, we put our own sunglasses on to see the world. When we look around, what do we see? We see a broken world. It's broken. And it hurts our heart to see families destroyed, the world in chaos. And we know, everybody, Christians or not, that this needs to be fixed. So how do we do this? How do we go about it? Through technological advances, medical sciences? Is it the way of Islam? Through devotion to God? to devotion to the Lord, to submission to Allah? Is it the way of the Indus or pantheistic ways? 
working out your karma through cycles of birth and rebirth until you eventually obtain release? Is that the way? There are different ways. And Jesus says that he came so we should have abandoned life, abandoned life. So, why should we believe him or anybody else for that matter? Jesus is talking to his disciples before he um, is going to go to the cross and he knew he was going to be resurrected by the Father and then going to the Father. And he was talking to them about himself going to the Father and he said, you, and you know the way. And in John 14, verse 5 to 6, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He doesn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. And to remove any doubt that he's saying what he's saying, he says, then no one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts 4.12, Peter makes a massive statement speaking about Jesus. He says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In a society, in a culture like this one, this is very harsh. People don't like this. It's politically incorrect to say that you have the truth, that Jesus is the way. What about the other religions? What about the other people? Even some Christians struggle with this. Christian in between, you know, Christians by name, nominal Christians, they struggle. When you ask them and you you know, they say, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, really? You're a Christian? So you believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father? Some people struggle and say, oh, well, I don't know. You know, other people are very good. Because this is the thing. We look around and we see good people around. People doing great things. But Jesus, again, is saying that he is the only way. So people feel uncomfortable because they say we are exclusivists. This is an exclusive claim, and it is. But you see, all religious systems, they have exclusive claims. Even the non-religious one, even though I think it's a religion, atheism. Atheism tells you there is no God. So in saying so, he's, they are excluding your opinion. Because you say, there is a God. But they said, there is no God. So that's an exclusive claim. You see, even Buddha, he left Hinduism behind and started something new because he, wasn't, he was unhappy with some things. Even the Baha'i, have you heard of the Baha'i? They, you know, they believe that themselves are very, very inclusive. They think it's the most inclusive religion of all. But you know, when you are too inclusive, you are excluding the exclusivist. So you cannot be that inclusive. Did you, did you get what I said? Yeah, because some people might say, no, no, I think Jesus, like us, is the only way. And they say, no, 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 you are wrong. 
You see, everybody's got, has got strong claims about life. Now, all systems claim that they are the way to something else. Because I said, Jesus is the way. Is the way to, to what? To where? There are four main questions any worldwide worldview has to answer. Number one, is there a, a God? Or how did we get here? That's one thing that, you know, is in the mind of different people. Number two, why are we here? So what is, in other words, what is the purpose of human existence? Number three, what explains the human condition? In other words, why is there suffering? Why is there flourishing? Number four, is there a salvation or a better way? If a worldview answers all these questions comprehensively and in a coherent manner, that's the right one. And personally, and I, I don't think I'm biased because I, I spend a lot of time checking what I believe in. I think Jesus is the way. There is a common claim. If I say something like this, people say, oh, you Christians, you know, you think, again, that you are perfect. All religions, people say, are equally the same, are equally valid. Superficially different, but fundamentally, they are the same. Ravi Zacharias said the opposite. He says that they are superficially similar, but fundamentally very, very different. And that's true. For example, Muslims. Do you think they believe in your God, in our God? Allah is not our God. They don't believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. For them, God is one being in one person. For us, God is one being in three personalities. As I said before, Buddha rejected the Hindu ideas of the self and of the caste system and started Buddhism. So all major worldview need to answer these four questions. I'm going to concentrate on three and compare them with Christianity, with Jesus. Secular humanism. Secular comes from a Latin root that means of this world. And the main question they have is this. What does it mean to be human? Have you seen this on the internet? You, you can check, and, and, and this is so common. They write even books about this. What does it mean to be human? And humanism, what is it? It's the idea that human beings, you and I, that we have intrinsic value that is objective, independent of human opinion. They say that human experience tells us that human value, that humans have value and worth. We don't need God to tell us that. That's what they say. Okay, let's say God doesn't exist. Without God, what are we? We are the product of chance. We are, you are an accident. I am an accident, according to one guy called Richard Dawkins, many of you probably have heard of him. He is an atheist. He is not the top, top one, but he is the most vocal one. Um, 
you and I are just electrons and selfish genes. That's what we are, nothing else. So what is the purpose of human existence? Again, Dawkins tells us this. We are machines for propagating DNA. It is every living object's sole reason for living. That's what you are. You are a machine for propagating DNA. Because without God, and he doesn't believe in God, there is no value in us. We are like, some guys even say that we are like an amoeba. We don't have more value than an ant. So secular humanism, if they want to leave God out of the picture, we are nothing, we have no value. We are not important. Someone said, when you look at your baby in your arms, do you see a machine for propagating DNA? Is that what you see? Or you see something different? Looking at the eyes, at the face of a child, is that what you see? We are more than that. The Christian worldview grounds our desire for human value in God. And God exists. Look, there is something that is called the fine-tuning of the universe. I'm not diversing. I, I'm going to come back to, to the point. What does it mean? Scientists have been studying the universe, and they know that there are at least 40 properties discovered that are precisely tuned for the existence of life. You know, that the universe, they have discovered that we say, oh, the universe is so big. If the universe is a bit smaller than it is, we wouldn't be here. If it is bigger, the same. The, the, the earth is rotating, spinning, 24 hours a day. And the angle of the axis is the perfect one for the existence of life in this planet. We can talk about gravity. We can talk about what happened in the atom, electromagnetism, the strong force of the atom, the weak force of the atom, and so on. Everything is in the precise place. Is that an accident? When we see something like this, if we see it anywhere else, we think there is a designer behind this. But you see, people don't want to see God because they don't want God in their life. Otherwise, they are accountable to someone. What about the human DNA? For those in the, I don't know, um, who work with computers, well, the young generation are very clever. They understand this. But there are 4.1 billion bits of information. If you start reading the DNA, Three letters per second, day and night, it's going to take you 31 years to read only one strand of DNA. One strand. Only one side, 31 years. There is a code, a four-letter alphabet in the DNA. You see, and again, this is what I think. People go to a cave. You go to a cave and you see not only something, you can see a line like this, but if you see something with shape, with form, you start thinking, someone's been here. 
an intelligent person because this is a writing. Even if you don't understand the writing. And scientists do that all the time, but they don't want to see it here. There is a big mind behind everything. God exists. The Bible in Psalms 51 says that you weren't built. You were knit together in your mother's womb. You were knit together by God. You are not an accident. Like secular humanism or atheism wants to tell you. You are not. The leader of the Genome Project in America, the one, the group that discovered all the sequence in the DNA, is called Francis Collins. And Francis Collins um, gave a presentation many years ago. And he showed a picture of the rose window of York Minster Cathedral. It doesn't look like much here because it doesn't do justice. Okay, so in this cathedral, there is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, window there. It's very intricate. And then he showed this. You know what that is? This is a cross-section image of the DNA in your body. So the window was designed by an artist but the DNA was designed by chance? I don't think so. God is an artist. Can you see that? God is an artist. And this is only one thing. And you are his masterpiece. And I am his masterpiece. And all humanity are. So what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose? From God's point of view, is to enjoy him. We were created for relationships. You see, that's what we see around. We are relational. If we are the effect, how can the cause be meaningless? Everybody wants to be loved and loved at the same time. So, your life has meaning. You have been created to have a relationship with God. In Islam, God is relational to a point. If you do well, if not, forget it. But there is no intimacy in this relationship. Even in the future, Muslims believe that they are going to another place. But God is not going to be there. They're God. As I said before, Allah is one in nature and one in person. So when there was nothing, he was alone. Isn't that true? He was alone. And if you are alone, if you spend too much time alone, you are not big into relationship, I suppose. In Hinduism, we are to become God. And what is God? God is everything. So you are the stars, and you are the sun, and you are the flowers. And when you leave this earth, eventually, after all the birth and rebirth, you are going to become one with the impersonal God. That's not what we see. But in Christianity, we know about the Trinity. And you know, the Trinity 
Sometimes we think it's a problem. It's not a problem. It's a solution. Because God exists as one being, as I said, with three personalities. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct. But they exist in the same being. They exist in community. God defines relationship. That's why you and I are relational. That's what we see in the, in the world. You see? We are the product of something bigger than us. We are not here again by accident. Well, then when we say that Jesus is the only way, people think we are arrogant to claim that. But you see, this is the problem with secular humanism. You ask a person who doesn't believe in God, a secular humanist, how can we get better? They said, they use the word self-help. Have you been to a bookstore and there are some sections of all this self-help? How to become better yourself? Do this. The power is inside of you. Huh? It's all in your mind. Just do it. All those things. So, what they are trying to tell us is that humans are good and they can improve morally by themselves. And they call us arrogant. But you know what? Christianity teaches that there is nothing good in you or in us, that we are lost and we need a savior. So who is arrogant then? Who is arrogant? Because in Christianity, we know that we need a savior. We are not good, but he is. So secular humanism say they are the way. Really? I don't think so. You know why? It's because of this. Apart from iPhones, iPads, advances in medical sciences, we've come up with something like the next slide. In the 20th century, we had two world wars. We had Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, the killing fields. None of them believe in God. Is secular humanism the way? It's not. What about pantheism? The main question for them is how we can escape pain and suffering. Because, you know, they see pain and we see pain around and suffering. But this is the thing. Pantheism means pan is all. Theism is about God. All is God. They tell you that you are divine. You are divine. But what happened? You are under the illusion. It's called Maya. Of your lack of divinity. You don't, you don't realize that you are divine. So how do you achieve divinity? You meditate. Through yoga. Through other practices. You have to work out your karma from previous lives. And through birth and rebirth, finally you are going to become divine. And when that happens, your suffering is going to finish, to cease, because you become one with the impersonal universe. You know they call about nirvana? You know what nirvana is? Nothingness. It's nothingness. 
Are you looking forward to it? I don't know why Buddhists, what, what, what are they looking forward to? But in Christianity, we are looking forward to one day spend eternity with our God. Leaving all the suffering, all the pain behind. So, in essence, for the pantheist, being free of suffering is the goal. But to be free of suffering, again, you have to realize that you are under the illusion, you know, that you are not divine. But you are. You are, and you need enlightenment. And some people believe that so much these days that they believe that suffering is an illusion, that they write books. There are some, a couple of guys who always go to the Oprah, Oprah Winfrey show. Eckhart Tolle, and the other one is an, an, a guy with an Indian name. They always go there, and they always talk about this thing that, oh, the suffering, you have to realize that you are divine. Live the today. Forget about your pain. Forget about your, your suffering. Can you tell that to a person who has lost a relative, a child, that mother that's still suffering, that father that's still suffering? Can you say, oh, you know what? Forget about all the years you live with him. And don't worry too much about the future you are not going to spend with him. Just live the now and let suffering go away. Is that what happened with us? I think that in reality is being disrespectful to someone. But the cross tells us something totally different. Pain is real. So real that the God of the universe feels it. Pain is not an illusion. So the pantheist is telling you that you suffer. You know why? Because you don't realize that you are God. But the Bible tells us the opposite. We suffer. We are in pain because we wanted to become God. And that's the reason in this world we suffer. Because Adam and Eve, they decided to take the step and say, no, I want to have everything in my own hands. I don't need God to tell me anything. And suffering entered into this world. And it keeps happening every day because of the sin of our fathers and our sin too. There is always going to be suffering in this life. But the cross and the resurrection of Christ give us the assurance of another life. Doesn't that sound sweeter and better? Islam talks about, have you heard the word when they say Allahu Akbar? Allahu Akbar, what does it mean? God is greater. They believe that Jesus is only a prophet. Even a smaller, I mean, he's big in their eyes, it's called Isa, but Mohammed is much bigger. And they deny that Jesus died on the cross. When we insist that Jesus is God, they say, oh, if Jesus is God, to say that, well, that means that God is not great. And our God is great. So Jesus is not our God. It's impossible, they say, that God himself is limited to human form 
and die on a cross at the hands of the sinners he created. But here's the thing. The cross is the exclamation mark to the phrase, God is greater. Here's how. If God is the greatest being, he must be capable of expressing the greatest possible ethic. What is the greatest possible ethic that exists? Love. Love. Love is the greatest possible ethic that exists. And if he is the greatest being, he would love in the greatest way. Now, what is the greatest way possible to love? Sending flowers to someone? Sending them a letter? A gift? Saying beautiful things to someone? What is it? If there is someone in your life that truly loves you, that truly loves you, this expression, the biggest expression of love from their part is when they do something that benefits you and hurts them. That is called self-sacrifice. The ultimate expression of the ultimate ethic is self-sacrifice. Our first instinct is not to self-sacrifice for the ones who hate us, only for the one who loves us. And even so, it's hard to do it. You see, that's why God's love is better and greater, because of the cross. The cross tells us that he sacrificed himself for his enemies. Romans 5, 8 says, For God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you right now, there is no God in any other system or worldview who loves us so much that he goes to the cross. Jesus suffered for the salvation of the world. This is not just a theory, it's history. It's a matter of history. Someone said this, and I like the example. A house on fire. Your house, imagine, is on fire. And you have beautiful things there. You have photos, you have videos, you have all these little things from the past that tied you to that house. There is something like that happening. Your life and the life of your family is more important. You don't go back to pick them up, to retrieve them. It would be crazy if you do that if the fire is big. But if one of your children is there, if your children are there, what would you do? You don't care about yourself. You go inside and rescue your kids. Isn't that so? That's what God did for us. Because he values you. You are not a blob. You are not cells only. You have been created with a purpose. That's why Christianity is 
the best explanation for this life we live. That's why Jesus is the way, because he's trying to bring us back to God, the Father. There is no other way. You have an immensely, your value is very, very big. Because God paid a big, big price to spend a big, big time in eternity with you. So, is Jesus the only way? You know, he answers all of our main questions that no other system can answer. For the humanist who wants to know how can we have objective value, the cross is the demonstration of objective value. God is saying to us through Jesus, I love you so much that I decided to pay the price you were supposed to pay. For the pantheist who wants to know how do we escape suffering, or is suffering real? The cross is telling you that it's not only real, but Jesus dealt with it once and for all. Yeah, we suffer a bit. We're going to suffer a bit more on earth. But it's going to disappear forever when we are reunited with him again. For the Muslim who wants to worship a God who is truly great, you find him there. You find him there. On the cross. He is showing us the greatest act of self-sacrifice and love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the only means of salvation. Is that an exclusive claim? It is. But everyone is invited to accept him, and that is inclusive. Some religions have been created for ethnic groups. Jesus came for the whole world. If you are yellow, if you are black, if you are red, if you are white, doesn't matter. Male, female, we are all the same. We have all the same value for him. He paid the price. He loves you. If you don't know Jesus, I invite you to consider him. He's worth believing in. So the world is showing us different ways, but they have a dead end. Jesus is the way to go to the Father, and it's got a beautiful, beautiful ending. Dear Jesus, thank you very much for appearing into our lives. We were lost, we were blind, but you rescued us, you gave us new life. Now we can see. Help us to love with your love 
the world around us and to bring those blind people to you for you to open their eyes to heal their hearts their brokenness and for them to understand that you Jesus are the only way thank you thank you thank you Amen you just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra for more messages like these or to access other resources please visit our website at iancanberra.org like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra